nursing industry is one of the fastest growing career forces in the world today. There are so many issues in the healthcare field these days relating to nurses that simply are not discussed in the media. Welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with Leanne Meyer. Our program will help you with the most relevant information if you're in the nursing field or are planning to enter the industry. Now, here is your host, Leanne Meyer. Thank you so much for joining us again this week on Monday. Um, it's it's exciting to have a new topic each each time, and um, I'm especially excited about this particular one. Today we're talking about disparities in healthcare. Uh, excuse me, racial disparities in healthcare between patients and professionals. Um, we've been really lucky in the last uh, few weeks. Um, we have had experts uh, to dialogue with us, and um, I'm, I just lost my train of thought <laughs> on the important uh, topic of racial disparities in healthcare. And um, uh, if you're not involved in this particular uh, kind of topic, if either you're not an African American or you don't work in an organization that has many uh, people of color working there, it's very easy to not understand what is the issue. Uh, so I think it's really important that we talk about it and bring it to the fore. Um, many uh, many people um, are have some understanding kind of in the background, but uh, not exactly sure about how all of these comes together. So uh, in the past, there's been a lot of... Um, Oh, whispering perhaps or, or uh, the concept that this is out there, um, but not really knowing exactly. But now there's so many studies out there validating this truth. And it's especially apparent in the maternity and newborn populations. Um, my guest today is Dr. Dania Dunkley, and she is an expert in maternity statistics and an advocate for improvement of health care that we deliver to this vulnerable population. It is vital for the success of our nation that mothers are safe throughout pregnancy and delivery, and that each child is born uh, healthy and able to grow to adulthood in an environment of safety. It is equally vital that the nursing workforce is a true reflection of the diverse populations we serve in order to effectively address the disparities. So um, I'd like to introduce you to Dr. Dana, Dania Dunkley. Um, uh, Dr. Dunkley, would you like to say hello and um, uh, welcome to the show? Hi, thank you so much, Leanne, for that introduction. I'm yeah, I got a little to nervous to too. Our conversation today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> thank you for inviting me to the show. Oh, you're so welcome. Uh, what I love to do with everyone who comes on that's a nurse is to give a little background. How did you get into nursing? How did um, the decisions you made as you went along impact your nursing uh, career? And then maybe in uh, influencing other people in coming into the career. Sure. Um, I'll give you a little bit of background. My mom was a nurse, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we migrated from, from Jamaica, which is where I'm originally from, um, she was a school teacher and she decided that um, in the second half of her life she wanted to fulfill a dream of becoming a nurse. So I was exposed to the field um, as a child. Um, in high school, I actually um, decided to um, 
explore a little bit more for myself. I knew I wanted to be in the medical field. I wasn't sure if it was going to be as a physician or as a nurse like my mom. Mm-hmm. So I decided to go into an LPN program in high school and loved it and ended up deciding that I was going to go into nursing. So I um, graduated from that program in high school at the same time wow. and then went right into a BSN program. Um, I actually ended up going to a historically black uh, college university, which we commonly abbreviate as an HBCU. I went to Hampton oh. University in Virginia and finished my BSN there and jumped right in. I uh, wow. started out on a very busy med surge floor um, to get some experience, but I always knew that my passion was in maternity, um, mm-hmm. labor and delivery, obstetric care. So as soon as an opening <laughs> became available, I jumped at it. Um, right. and, uh, I became a labor and delivery nurse. Um, spent some time in the inpatient setting and then decided to venture out into some new um, avenues, which nursing is, is full of things that you can do. Yes. Um, yes. So I decided to explore a little bit in community health and ended up working for an awesome program that many may have heard of. It's called Nurse Family Partnership. Mm, um, where I they haven't heard of it. Nursing professionals. Mm-hmm. It's a research-based program that um, the outcomes prove that when you pair a registered nurse, um, yes. with first-time moms who are of low economic status yes. um, uh, and, you know, have had some challenges in their backgrounds that um, those nursing visits make a difference in terms of them becoming more productive citizens and um, their career trajectory and um, mm-hmm. less unplanned pregnancies and things of that sort. So right. um, you were assigned to a patient load and you visited them from pregnancy through the child's second birthday. Really? Wow, that's great. (laughs) I have to tell you, that was a very fulfilling program. Um, But, you know, as time went along, I decided I wanted to pursue uh, an advanced degree. Um, So I decided about five years after I finished my BSN that I wanted to go ahead and go do my master's. Um, And I did it in nursing education. I um, initially Mm -hmm. thought I was going to, you know, go into academia, become a nursing faculty um, and things kind of took a turn. Mm-hmm. I um, <laughs> met a nurse manager who, um, to this day, I still credit her for my start in, in nursing management and leadership. Wow. Um, she said, I know you're looking to become an educator, but why? I think you'd be a great fit. I have a position uh, as a nurse manager coming up, and mm-hmm. that was the start of my leadership career in nursing. Mm-hmm. I became a nurse manager, moved on up to assistant director, um, and currently where I am now as a director of nursing. That's um, so interesting. It, it really yeah. is the example <laughs> of life is what happens while you're making other plans. Exactly, exactly. And I, I don't regret any any of it now that I see how it's all kind of interwoven to make me the person that I am now. Yeah, so. yeah it's really great. Um, so you came up, um, your LPN course was in uh, uh, was in the high school. I've not heard of that before. So that's right. kind so of interesting the, right there. Yeah, I'll tell you a little bit about it. My, um, It was called um, BOCES. It was an abbreviation for which I, you know, honestly can't remember the whole <laughs> thing right now. Yeah. <laughs> it was so long ago. However, it was a vocational program. So they had several different... Um, fields that you could go into, and what they did was they tailored your high school curriculum so that for half of the day you were doing your high school courses, 
Mm-hmm. And then the other half of the day, um, on set days, you uh, would go to this uh, vocational school and mm-hmm. complete the credits that you needed for whatever trade you decided you wanted to go into. So I chose um, practical nursing. And mm-hmm. by the end of the program, it was about a two-year process, um, which coincided with my graduation from high school. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. It was an awesome opportunity. And I just I sat for my LPN boards shortly after. I think so much that um, for me, I'm a very, um, uh, uh, I need to have that touch, that uh, uh, connectedness to what I'm learning and what I'm doing. And I had the fortune, I don't know why, mystically or whatever, it just seemed like every patient I would get would be uh, having the problems that I had just learned about in in the classes, so that always uh, helped me tremendously. And I think that a lot of times in high school, kids get so bored with what they're yeah. doing because they just can't see where is their connection here to anything yeah. I'm going to want to do after I get out of high school. It just makes so much yeah. sense to me to try and do the program that uh, the way that you had it done for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was an awesome opportunity, and I. You know, I entered college, you know, having already learned medical terminology and right. uh, the basics of, of, of nursing. So it, it mm-hmm. definitely gave me an advantage in my BSN courses. So did you go right into the BSN right after high school? I did. I did. did? I, I went in as a traditional student straight out of high school, decided I, you know, didn't want to live at home with mom. So <laughs> I went okay. away to college. And, um, you know, pursued my nursing career um, with the BSN right away. Okay. And in the BSN, did you get pressure at all to to go on and do additional training right away? I did. Um, And actually, when I, um, so I, when I graduated, I got a job right away. I was very fortunate. Uh, Within a few months, I was able to find um, employment. Um, And I was encouraged to go ahead and start my master's right away. And I actually did. I enrolled, but I ended uh-huh. up, um, I, I don't think I was ready. Um, yeah. And so I took maybe one course and I said, okay, this is too much. I'm still yeah. trying to, you know, get my bearings. Right. Brand new nurse. Exactly. Um, and it was, it was a lot to jump right back into a full course of study and, um, yeah. you know, being on orientation and all of that. Yep. Um, so I, I didn't continue. Yeah, but you're absolutely right. There mm-hmm. was some pressure or encouragement there um, uh, to go ahead and start right away. So when did the racial disparities start to be more obvious to you or impact either you or your patients or um, other people that you were working with? Sure. Um, So for me, um, the racial disparities I I became aware of um, more so when I was young. Um, so before okay. I even entered the profession. So when I came mm-hmm. to this country, remember, I'm, oh, as I mentioned, right. I, I'm from Jamaica. Mm-hmm. And so I, I came from a place where, where black people were the majority. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was a complete culture shock for me when I entered the state. Right. Um, you know, initially, you know, going to school and um, in my high school was a predominantly white high school. Oh. And so I started to notice, you know, subtle differences there in terms of socialization um, you know, how, you know, the, the different groups, you know, didn't really associate with others and, um, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. So but nothing ever blatant um, was displayed to, you know, to me individually. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I went along to college, again, I went to a historically black 
uh, college. Mm-hmm. So, again, we were the majority there. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I'm thankful for those years because those were very formative years for me where mm-hmm. I could gain confidence in who I was as, right. um, as a black person, as a black young adult. Um, and so when I entered the workforce, I was prepared. You know, I, I felt prepared to handle whatever um, mm-hmm. things would come my way. When I entered the workforce, however, it, it, you know, it started to become a little bit more um, apparent to me about the different disparities in terms of how, again, mm-hmm. socialization between black and white nurses on the unit, um, the way that um, the nursing workforce didn't reflect the patients in the bed. Right. That was um, the thing I was going to ask you is what yeah. was the mix <laughs> when you got to a nursing unit? Yeah, when I when I first started, which was in a, a hospital in Virginia, um, there was there, there was representation, but there was a noticeable difference in terms of um, the ratio of mm-hmm. um, white to, to to minority nurses. Mm-hmm. Um, however, again, the patients that we were serving um, didn't reflect the same numbers. Um, and so while I didn't notice any um, uh, disregard or neglect of the patients in terms of the floors that I came across, I mm-hmm. was hearing stories from, from my colleagues and others mm-hmm. about these disparities. Um, okay. And so I started to pay a little bit more attention. And when I decided to pursue um, my Ph.D., um, I wanted to dig a little bit deeper into some of those experiences. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing is, um, wasn't just the treatment of the patients, but again, um, how nursing professionals who were uh, black or minority nurses were treated. So you would go for the promotion mm-hmm. or the, the leadership position and you wouldn't get mm-hmm. it even though you were qualified. Things like that I started mm-hmm. to notice. Um, and we would have you know discussions with my peers um, surrounding those types of topics. And so I wanted to explore that a little bit more because it was almost a rarity to find um, a nurse of color um, mm-hmm. at that time who was in a leadership role as, mm-hmm. as I've, you know, matured in the position, in the, in the profession, I've started to see more, um, but it's still much of a disparity um, in terms of nurses in leadership roles that are black and minority. So what would the time period be when you were starting to register that you weren't seeing people like yourself in those upper roles? Um, I would say a few years into my career, when I decided to go back for my master's degree, I I realized I needed to have that advantage. I mean, uh, the year, like 2010, Um, 2012? Let's see, I I think that was 2010 when I first started my master's program. So you're right on the ball. (laughs) Okay. Um, Yeah. So it surprises me, I guess, that that is, you know, certainly in 1976 when I graduated, absolutely there was disparities um, both with the professionals and with the patients. But again, I didn't register it because it wasn't something that I had um, a connection to. I didn't didn't understand it. So um, was there anybody there that you could talk to in the, in the administration or anyone else that had a position which could 
um, maybe help you talk it through, think through what could I do differently? Can we sit down? Is there anybody we can sit down with and, and at least bring this to their attention? Do you realize that we have X number of <clears throat> nurses, X number of, um, of uh, professionals, and only this small number of, of um, managers and administration? No, actually, and and there wasn't anyone you, you, well, I didn't feel like there was anyone Mm -hmm. I could go to to talk about this other than my colleagues that Mm -hmm. were in the same position as I was. Um, And you also didn't feel empowered um, to approach uh, leadership Mm -hmm. about the issue because of, you know, maybe fear of how they would perceive you Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, maybe others would say, you know, they're playing the race card, you know, it's not like that. Um, so the, multiple reasons why you didn't feel empowered to sure to, to don't want to lose your job yeah <clears throat> yeah <For> sure <laughs> you know that yeah. those are real fears mm-hmm. um, but one thing that I I I have to say I I credit my my upbringing and my support system for encouraging me to return to school mm-hmm. um, because I you know that was what was going to separate me um, mm-hmm. or help, uh, like I said, give me that leverage in terms of moving forward mm-hmm. if I wanted to be competitive or wanted to be respected and recognized. Right. So then as you move forward, how did things change and when did you become aware that this was something you really wanted to address yourself in the, the training that you were getting and in the work you wanted to do going forward? Sure. Um, even after I finished my master's degree, I, I realized there were some roadblocks. Um, mm-hmm. I went for a promotion at the place that I, I was employed with, and I didn't get it. And I, I honestly, I, I, I couldn't find a reason why. And mm-hmm. I started to question, you know, if it had anything to do with that, because it wasn't blatantly presented as a mm-hmm. racial sure. issue. Um, but I said, you know, others, have, uh, I'm sure other people have had this happen. And as I started to dialogue with, you know, other colleagues and, um, you know, I realized it's not just me, you know, that this Mm -hmm. was a systemic issue um, and it deserved some attention. So, you know, I I ended up um, leaving that workplace and um, funny enough, um, when I entered the other um, uh, organization is where I met that manager that decided that she Uh. saw something in me. <laughs> so it and was said, mystic well, that come, you took that you effort. Know, the other person didn't see it, but you do. So you know, mm-hmm. I, you know, I said, okay, I have to jump on this opportunity. Um, yeah, and then exactly. I decided I it, it definitely deserved more attention, um, and I wanted to make that a focus once I did uh, return for my PhD. Let's let's take a break here. This is kind of a nice sure. place to do it. And then when we come back, we can um, talk a little bit about that connection with that mentor, but then also um, the things that you were learning going forward um, statistically and in your work that you were doing and et cetera. So this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. I am Leanne Meyer, and as I've said before, I'm here today with uh, Dania Uh, Dunkley, Dr. Dania Dunkley, and we are talking about racial uh, disparities in healthcare and especially with patients and professionals. Uh, We'll be back in just a couple minutes. You're 
been listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. If you like what you're hearing on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, consider supporting the show. In the one year since the show started, we've increased our listening audience by nearly 7,900% and our goal to reach 50 countries and counting. Whether you are looking to reach a regional, national, or worldwide audience, you'll have a competitive advantage by advertising on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. It's the perfect platform. Contact Senior Executive Producer Casey Trump today at 480-294-6421. That's 480-294-6421. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has a mobile app for iOS, Android, or Amazon Kindle. Visit the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Welcome back, and especially welcome back to this particular show uh, regarding racial disparities in healthcare, patients, and professionals. I'm talking with uh, Dania Dunkley, and we were just talking previously on the show about some of the aspects of um, uh, the uh, the underlying uh, things that are happening that seem to, um, especially in areas of getting promotions and things like that. And um, I feel like people are often not setting out to do something that is um, unequal or, um, you know, looking down on somebody else. They're just not aware that this is kind of how their brains are operating or how their um, their perception is or what direction they move toward. You were talking about your mentor, and I think that's so important because I don't know of anybody in nursing that has really moved ahead a lot without having someday that they say, that person, that's the one. So um, was that person that you see as your mentor, was she uh, an African-American? No, she was not. Um, and that was part of the conundrum <laughs> for me. I said, wow, this is someone um, who doesn't look like me mm-hmm. um, who decided to take this chance uh, on me. So I realized that there are, there are people out there that um, can be considered, you know, for lack of a better term, an ally. 
mm-hmm. um, you know, in terms of, of uh, ensuring that these um, the representation increases and the diversity increases. But um, as I became um, more exposed to different leadership circles um, after I, be, you know, became the nurse manager, I started to realize this is not the norm. Um, there aren't many others that look like me at these tables. Um, right. So this was a real opportunity that she had she had given me, um, and I wanted to make sure I paid it forward um, mm-hmm. in terms of advancing my education and doing the research and raising awareness, um, you know, to make a difference. Um, so, you know, like I said, this is what kind of sparked um, the, the focus for my dissertation research. Um, Say a little bit more about that. Yeah. So my study um, was um, a phenomenological study which uh, explored the lived experiences of being black and female as a nurse, as a nurse executive. And so mm-hmm. uh, I wanted a study that um, would be meaningful and um, <laughs> one that I was passionate about, which, right. um, as I explained, this topic was some, something sensitive to me. And I, I was certain that it would be um, something that others could relate to. Um, mm-hmm. And so I studied uh, 10 nurse executives. Um, and when I say nurse executives, I mean like um, titles such as a chief nursing officer or chief nursing executive, vice okay. president of nursing, mm-hmm. um, or similar. Um, and I was fortunate enough to find 10. Um, they were in various wow. stages of their career, either retired or currently in the role. Um, but their stories, I, you know, I felt like they had all formed a, a group and decided they were going to match their answers because that's how similar their experiences were. <laughs> <laughs> and one yeah. after the other, you know, they, um, they attested to the barriers that they faced as, um, uh, I, as I term a double minority being black and female. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of racial disparities, and as I, I had issues with, and other colleagues of mine, um, issues with being seen, being respected, um, others going for the same uh, positions that they would apply to, and they had more experience, they had the credentials, but they didn't get it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, things like that, not being respected by men in other executive roles yes, in terms of exactly. the female aspect. Um you know, and so uh, I've I've learned quite a lot. Um, but what what their stories did was validate my experience, and I'm sure the experience of other black mm-hmm. nurses that are coming up the ranks as well. So, um, so as you were doing your research, um, I assume that you were learning more about some of these disparities and. Did yeah. the statistics of patients and professionals, other than these um, 10 that you were talking about, did that come in, into play at all in the work you were doing? Yeah, so I, I, um, I hadn't actually taken quite a deep dive until I reached this point into to kind of examining the different dis, uh, disparities, especially within the nursing workforce. And I... You know, I was fortunate to, to work at different places where there was a little bit more diversity and some where there wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hadn't actually taken the time to look at what the hardcore numbers were, and it alarmed me to realize mm-hmm. that of, of a, a population of 4 million nurses, 
that mm-hmm. black nurses only represented about six percent. Wow! You know, we, you get locked into your 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 immediate environment or your circle. For example, the hospital that I work at now is very diverse. However, mm-hmm. just down the street, the hospital looks completely different in terms of its, its demographic and 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 composition of different um, races. Mm-hmm. So it's very easy not to know this information. So that's number one. I wanted to raise awareness on that. Um, and the general population represents about 30, 38% uh, wow. of, of the, pop, the general population is, is a minority group. So, so that's not just African-Americans, but basically anybody of color? Mix. Correct, mm-hmm. correct. And um, so minorities in terms of all backgrounds represent mm-hmm. about 19.2. So that number doesn't match either. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gets even less when you when you start to break down the different populations. 6.2 uh, are African-American, uh, about 7% Asian, 5% mm-hmm. Hispanic. So, you know, what does that say about how the nursing workforce represents the population that we're caring for? It doesn't. Right. It doesn't. Yeah. So um, did you take all of this information and say, um, okay, I've pulled this all together, and now what am I going to do about it? Yes. Good. (laughs) So the the disparities um, certainly in the the workforce certainly impact um, the way we care for our patients. And Mm -hmm. so being a nurse that um, my primary background was in maternal child health, um, I could see how it would be linked to the issues that we're, ha- we're currently facing and have been facing. I call it America's best kept secret because now it's mm-hmm. like we're being inundated with these statistics about maternal mortality and morbidity when in right. fact um, it's been on the incline for several years. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're now starting to talk about it because, again, persons like myself and others have started to, to raise awareness around um, the issues. Um, and I've, I've personally witnessed it um, in my own career. Um, but th- there has to become more discussions, um, more uh, practical solutions have to be developed in terms of addressing both issues. Because not that I'm trying to say that increasing the diversity will wipe out the disparities. Right. But it has to be considered as a factor. Um, and right. it definitely would make a difference if we were to start with increasing the diversity in the nursing workforce. Mm -hmm. Um, And how do you think it would make a difference? When I hear people, especially in, you know, I'm in an OB background also, so when I talk with other white OB nurses, um, the thing they always come up with when when these statistics come forward is, well, that must be because the majority of the um, minority, the majority of the minority population um, has uh, doesn't have the access to food, maybe to um, to work, to uh, insurance, to all of these other things. So this is the reason why it's happening. Um, but right. I've noticed that I'm running into nurses who are professionals in many different levels, and they are running into uh, problems with their pregnancies and premature births yeah. and all of those kinds of things. So how would having more um, uh, nurses of color in general help change how this is happening to uh, the, the patients of color? 
Yeah, and I, I think you made a great point in terms of how um, the issues have been uh, traditionally explained away by right. um, the, the, the common thought that, okay, maybe it's socioeconomic status that is contributing to these disparities. Exactly. When, in fact, particularly for maternal uh, morbidity and mortality, uh, it, it, even across making uh, the, the evening out the playing field for those factors, uh, we're still... Um, up to three times more likely to die after childbirth um, wow. in terms of black black women. So it, even when you take those out as a factor, and like you said, um, even, you know, well-educated, um, well-off or, you know, financially mm-hmm. affluent women are still suffering from these issues. Um, and what comes into play is there are some issues with implicit bias. And mm-hmm. whether people realize that they're doing it or not, for example, um, it, it has come up in several studies that, you know, uh, practitioners don't listen as well to black women mm-hmm. when they say they're in pain or they complain mm-hmm. of the symptoms, they don't believe them. Um, mm-hmm. so things like that do um, play a factor. So when you talk about how would increasing the diversity help um, uh, decrease the, the disparities, well, you know, if I go to a white practitioner who won't listen to me, perhaps mm-hmm. if I went to someone that did look like me, I would mm-hmm. be more well-received and, you know, mm-hmm. the relatability would be there. And they might yeah. be more willing to do the diagnostic test and to do the investigation into what I'm mm-hmm. saying and what I'm feeling rather than to dismiss it. How much of it is even that a patient, even a well-educated and professional mother, would be reluctant to bring up things to a white um, um, healthcare provider uh, just from the, the basis of not thinking they would be heard or, or um, something like that. Is, is there anything that, you know, if I have a healthcare provider who looks like me, am I going to be more likely to want to speak to them about things I might not tell somebody else? Right. There's a level of comfort there because... Um, mm-hmm. There's, there's been a historical context of distrust in the medical um, uh, medical or healthcare system um, mm-hmm. that traces way back into, into slavery where, you know, mm-hmm. we were, our bodies weren't revered. Um, we were basically test dummies and, you know, experimented on at a certain right. point in time in history. And so there's always been that kind of distrust. Um, and then there's also, um, I know for me, I'll, I'll make it personal to me. I don't want to keep quoting statistics and things like that. Mm-hmm. When I go to my provider, I don't want them looking at me like I'm attention-seeking or, you know, uh, mm-hmm. there's, there's, a, there's a, like a stigma, you know, that you, you try to avoid because you don't want them to think a certain way of you. So I'm certain that, um, that other people share that same sentiment. So it's a combination of, of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see. Um, and if I, I if think I might, I, I'm sorry. No, I, go I ahead. I wanted to kind of give, um, uh, staying in that vein, um, I'm, I'm from New York, um, mm-hmm. and our, uh, our uh, governor has, you know, commissioned task forces um, surrounding the issues with maternal mortality and morbidity, and he's right. done, uh, he's commissioned some folks to do some focus groups and some listening sessions, and I, I, I'd like, if I could, to just kind of give you the top three things yes. that 
um, that that and and what they did was they they invited women um, who were of you know uh, minority backgrounds to share their experiences um, and give uh, recommendations. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I would say the top three um, concerns that they had is they felt disrespected by their providers. They weren't getting their questions answered. Um, they didn't feel like their their providers spent enough time with them or gave them enough information. Or they sometimes felt pressured into agreeing to certain procedures. Mm-hmm. And what they suggested, um, this is coming from the patient's perspective, the top three things, one was more black and Hispanic healthcare professionals reflecting the communities that they serve. And, you know, this is not a professional making a recommendation. These are from the Mm -hmm. patient's perspective. Um, They also wanted to increase professionals' awareness of these racial disparities because, again, Mm -hmm. it's an implicit bias. Uh, People mean well, um, but because it's so inherent in our society, um, they may not realize um, that they're perpetuating these issues um, even though they're well-intended. Exactly. We are at another break, Um, so this might be just a really good place to stop. Um, When we come back, I'd like to go into some of this a little bit more. Um, But, uh, yeah, so uh, this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. I'm Leanne Meyer. And I'm here today, we're talking about racial disparities in healthcare, uh, patients and professionals. And I'm talk to, talking to uh, Dania Dunkley, and we will be back in just a couple of minutes. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. If you like what you're hearing on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, consider supporting the show. In the one year since the show started, we've increased our listening audience by nearly 7,900% and our goal to reach 50 countries and counting. Whether you are looking to reach a regional, national, or worldwide audience, you'll have a competitive advantage by advertising on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. It's the perfect platform. Contact Senior Executive Producer Tacey Trump today at 480-294-6421. That's 480-294-6421. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. 
Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Welcome back. This is Leanne Meyer, and this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. And we're talking about racial disparities, uh, both with patients and professionals, and I'm talking with Dania Dunkley. Um, we were just talking about um, the, the studies that were being done in New York, and from women the women's perspective of what they needed to be able to speak with their uh, healthcare providers more openly, et cetera. Um, you had said we need more providers. That was one of the things. And even um, uh, more uh, of an understanding by the profession in general, no matter what the color, um, how those uh, disparities can just kind of creep into their thinking or their decision-making without even realizing they're doing it. So right. could you address that? Sure. Um, so what some organizations have recommended is to start doing, um, you know, start addressing the issues right at the root, mm-hmm. start doing some trainings and having conversations around implicit bias. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I've been involved um, with um, the of the programs that have been put into place in New York, and I'm sure those same conversations are happening across the country. Um, There are some other initiatives. Um, The Joint Commission, for one, has just released Mm -hmm. a a kind of of a preliminary uh, report recently on some of the standards that they'll be implementing because of these issues with uh, the increase in maternal mortality and morbidity. Um, You know, things around um, increasing our our vigilance around maternal hemorrhage, um, mm-hmm. and yes. um, in terms of hypertension and preeclampsia, so those are just some of the things that that are are happening already. Um, and some of the other recommendations um, have also been to increase um, different types of of, of um, community health workers or doulas, birth doulas, mm-hmm. increasing um, education around birthing classes and. Um, actually having more midwives um, in, in terms of uh, those who provide care to pregnant and postpartum women. Um, so there's, there are multiple factors at play here, and I, but I, I, like I said, even from the patient perspective, the number one things were, at first of all, addressing the issues with implicit bias and, and racial mm-hmm. implications. And, and how can that be addressed? Is that, again, in a class? Is that a, a test that can be taken? That's, the thing is that those types, implicit bias, while you can give a, a class or a course, you, you can't change an individual. Mm-hmm. 
So it's up, mm-hmm. it, 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 it's very tough to tackle these things. However, I, that, this is why I, I think that another approach to it is to increase um, the diversity so that it's mm-hmm. not just one-sided in terms of the perspectives that are at the table when, these, when decisions are made about you know, standards of care um, mm-hmm. and how to address the disparities. It needs to be um, inclusive of the populations that are being served. Um, right. I think that attacking it from from a training and education perspective is not going to work uh, by itself. Mm-hmm. Um, it has to be multifaceted, um, and we have to attack it from, from various angles. Mm-hmm. One of the things um, uh, that is impacting the, the issue with underrepresentation um, is that we're we're not having enough minorities applying to nursing programs, or, mm-hmm. or even if they apply, they're not being retained. So there needs to be more support um, and, uh, you know, pointing out resources that are available um, to uh, minorities that are interested in pursuing careers in, in nursing or other medical professions. Mm-hmm. I, I could see where that would be so important because... Um, for me, when I was going through my nursing program, um, there was there were so many nurses. We all lived in the same dorm, and um, you know there was just a lot of support for each other. Even people that didn't particularly like each other came from very different backgrounds. We found some group of people that we could work with and share knowledge, share information that maybe others might not have known about. Um, but if you're in, like you said, there's just that tendency if you don't, um, my experience was coming from a very white small town going to a larger uh, city and finding that I was uncomfortable around people of color because I had never experienced it. I didn't know how to interact. Was I going to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing? And it's just easier to just avoid and and say, I'm not going to get into this. Right. And I think that, that that's how a lot of others feel. Um, mm-hmm. But having conversations like, like this one, which you know, I'm really grateful for this opportunity, um, you know, starting those, dia- those difficult dialogues um, is a way to raise the awareness and to make people, you know, sort of more comfortable in saying, look, I, I have no idea what you're experiencing. Help me to understand so I can make mm-hmm. it better. Mm-hmm. So tell me about more practical solutions uh, or, or tell me about what you're doing. Sure. I, um, one of the things that I mentioned was, um, you know, the pipeline of, you know, uh, before people even enter the workforce in terms of um, nursing schools and um, schools of nursing um, programs like that, we're not getting enough minority applicants or the applicants that we do, um, that we do have um, don't always uh, remain in the program. So one of the things that um, also was included in the themes from my study um, even all the way up through executive le- levels of leadership, is there is a lack of uh, mentorship available. Mm-hmm. And so I started to think of how I could um, be a part of the solution to that. And um, that started the, the impetus that created the, um, the vision for my nonprofit organization, which is uh, the League of Extraordinary Black Nurses. Oh, now, cool. there are... There are other nursing, uh, professional nursing membership organizations like the National Black Nurses or, uh, Association, which is 
uh, the largest and, and, and uh, oldest. Um, but I think that there's certainly more room um, mm-hmm. for, for other programs to kind of pick up where, where they may not be able to reach. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I decided that I wanted to um, create an organization that would provide support and resources for um, nurses of color. Um, and so we have a, a mentorship program available, um, and we will also be giving out um, scholarships because that's another deterrent um, cool. from entering nursing school. It's expensive, mm-hmm. you know, and any little that can contribute in terms of pointing nurses to, to scholarships and grants that are available or, you know, things that can, can help buy books and things like that to support them on their journey is important, and they need to know that there are resources out there available. So, I, you know, I'm proud of the work that we're doing. It's, you know, humble beginnings, but, you know, hopefully we'll continue to grow and be a resource um, that's very much needed. Mm-hmm. One that you might not have heard of either is a woman that I had on the show um, about a year ago, I think, and she had started the African uh, African Nurses Network, and it's literally nurses coming from Africa who are coming to the United States and then realizing that there's a lot of challenges to be able to stay focused and stay, as you said, keeping, um, you know, having the finances, the stamina, the understanding of of you know, just going into a whole new language of medical language, um, uh, having come from a language so very different. So I thought that was really amazing. It started with just a handful of people and then ended up um, uh, being, I think, between two and 3,000 at that time. So Mm -hmm. it's probably more than that now. But I think even those, um, just to know that there are other nurses out there that have these experiences and uh, to be thinking about who can I give a a hand up from, you know, behind me. I made it through, but who am I helping now? Yeah. And that, yeah. that was also a very common theme um, as, as a result of my research. You know, all of these nurse executives, they, they cited that um, giving back to their communities was a priority right. for them. And I mm-hmm. think, again, the, the, the issue of underrepresentation, um, when you don't see examples of other people that have made it, that mm-hmm. um, have accomplished what these women um, or, or myself um, or, or other nurses have, um, you don't believe that this is something that right. you can actually achieve. It's not, right. real, it's not real to you until you see it. Um, and so I think that, um, you know, that, that offering these resources, these programs, these organizations to ensure that young people that may be interested in these careers mm-hmm. see that you can be successful at it too. Um, and it's not just for, for others. You, you mm-hmm. can do this is really important. And especially if somebody has been telling you maybe your entire life, you're not very smart, um, you're never going to make it, um, don't even think about college. I mean, whatever it is that's been planted in their brain throughout their growing up, and whether that's from family or neighbors or teachers or who knows along the way, has uh, planted those seeds that uh, don't even think about it, it's not going to work for you. Right. You need to have somebody who counters that on the other side and says, oh, yes, you can. There's absolutely no reason why you can't. Absolutely. And, and it takes a lot of that positive to undo all of the negative. Right, 
Right, and yeah. it, it, you can never raise enough awareness about about these subjects because, like right. I said, it's so multifaceted, so ingrained mm-hmm. in our society, um, mm-hmm. it's become acceptable and normal, and we have to, um, as I always mm-hmm. put, change this narrative. It, if if we don't um, continue to raise awareness, continue to advocate, continue to give back, or continue to try to increase the representation, then, you know, we will never make mm-hmm. a difference. So, Right. I wanted to um, bring up, too, something that I have just come across in the last, you know, short time, last probably year or a little bit better through this program. Um, uh, I came across Marie Manthe, who is... Um, a pioneer in, in nursing. She literally wrote the book on primary nursing. And so she's into her 80s, but she's continuing to be um, very involved. And one of the things she's done for the last, I don't even know, 30 or 40 years, is she's opened up her home to have nurses of any level, students to uh, CE, CNOs, anybody who wants to come one, one, week, one day a month. Uh, and come together and talk about whatever it is that's of interest to them. And just recently, in the last, I don't know, maybe six months, she started uh, having a what she calls nursing salons. She started um, having one for uh, nurses of color and specifically African-American nurses. And she said just being able to be a fly on the wall and listening to the conversations that happened there was very enlightening for her. Um, things yeah. that she felt like she probably should have known, didn't know, didn't register, and started to be more aware of with herself. So um, we're coming to yeah, the end here. Is there any one last thing? We've got about a minute that you would like to share. One thing you'd really like to get across to all nurses. Sure. I think that what I'd like to impart is that if you are, are unaware of, of some of the issues that we've touched on today, um, that you do your due diligence. Um, you know, as nurses, we, we're commissioned to care. Um, mm-hmm. And so you can't lend, a, you know, a, a deaf ear or a blind eye to, to issues just because you're not directly involved. Um, if exactly. we're commissioned to care for, 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 for all, then it has to matter to you as well. And even if you don't work on a unit that has anything to do with maternal child care, believe me, on your unit, you know, yes. whether it's the ICU or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, med surge, uh, there are disparities. And so exactly. get involved, um, do your research, um, you know, advocate, you know, start to, to speak to your patients, um, mm-hmm. become aware of your behaviors, talk to your colleagues that are, that are minorities and, and find out how you yeah. can get involved. Um, in changing this narrative because it, it cannot just be um, the onus of minority nurses to change the exactly. culture. Exactly. Um, One of the wonderful things... Of color. Mm-hmm. Go, go ahead. No, We've got about uh, 20 seconds. Yeah. If you are a nurse of color, I, I commission you to do the same. Give back to your community and help recruit um, you know, more um, of us to, to represent and speak to your leadership 
in terms okay. of what they can do to change. I'm going to have to cut us off because we do have to go yeah. out at this point. But thank you so yep. very much. Thank this you. This is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. And I am Leanne Meyer. I've been delighted to be able to have this conversation with Dr. Dania Dunkley. And um, please check out some of the things she's doing and check in wherever you're working. There are things for you to do. Thank you so much, Leanne. I appreciate the opportunity. It was a great conversation. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with your host, Leanne Meyer. Be sure to join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a productive and insightful week. what you're hearing on once a nurse always a nurse consider supporting the show in the one year since the show started we've increased our listening audience by nearly 7900 percent and our goal to reach 50 countries and counting whether you are looking to reach a regional national or worldwide audience you'll have a competitive advantage by advertising on once a nurse always a nurse it's the perfect platform Contact Senior Executive Producer Tacey Trump today at 480-294-6421. That's 480-294-6421. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio.